episode 305, bonus edition, interview with Alyssa Crabtree. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Hey y'all, Gretchen here from Always a Lesson, here to empower you to reach your potential I'm excited about today. I have an elite educator here to chat with you, to help you elevate your teaching and leading potential. I appreciate you tuning into a podcast to continue to hone your craft, but this guest experience is going to be so fun. It's going to reignite that potential, that growth that you've been desiring for some time now, and it is Alyssa Crabtree. Before we dive into this interview, I want to share a little bit more about her with you. So Alyssa is an advocate for educators everywhere. She's a 16 plus year veteran. She's been exposed to numerous instructional strategies, district and campus initiatives, and professional learning opportunities. And so through those experiences, she's recognized what has a lasting impact and who truly benefits. And she believes in the power of growing teacher and student efficacy. And so she spent the last eight years of her career coaching teachers, administrators, and district leaders so that both teachers and students harness their power and abilities. If you know anything about me, this is right up my alley, which is why Alyssa is one of my newest friends. So her approach to coaching is simple. It's collaboration, not a one-and-done experience. She works alongside leaders, teachers, stakeholders, so she can analyze areas for growth, establish clear and attainable goals, facilitate learning, track student and teacher development, and pivot when necessary. She knows that change occurs from the top down, so she meets with leaders to ensure goal understanding and support before coaching teachers and professional learning communities. And so as we have said already, Alyssa's coaching style is collaborative, and to make the most impact, everyone involved must have a clear picture of coaching. She is absolutely fascinatingly amazing. So let's tune in to this conversation. Hey, Alyssa, thank you so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm like super stoked to be here. <laughs> we have folks tuning in from literally all over. It's been really amazing to see how many classrooms and school buildings are adopting some of the lessons we're sharing on the podcast. So I know you've got a lot to share today and I'm going to dive right in if you don't mind. Let's do it. So folks that may not know you, can you just describe a little bit about who you are and how you and I know each other? Yeah, so I am Alyssa Crabtree, and mm -hmm. I am the founder of Crabtree Coaching Collaborative, where I work with instructional coaches and principals in a partnership to really reduce teacher overwhelm by aligning visions and strengthening collective efficacy on campuses. 
So I have the privilege of going on campuses and working alongside instructional coaches, strengthening feedback, and honestly, just getting everyone on the same page. I feel like that's sometimes one of the biggest hurdles that we experience on, on campuses. And the way that we met, I absolutely love. We actually were part of a collaboration together where we were providing free resources for mm-hmm. instructional leaders. And so it's just been a great opportunity to get to know one another. Yeah. And I had a chance to join you on a live, which was really fun and talk to your audience and share some of the lessons I've learned. And now we get to trade places and you get to share your wisdom with mine. So I'm very excited for that. Thank you for this opportunity. So speaking of lessons, uh, you being in this consultant coaching role versus the roles you've had before, feel free to fill us in on your journey too, by the way. What would you say is like the greatest lesson that you have learned as you're developing your own leadership capacity? I think in the beginning, when I first started consulting, I ventured out uh, while I was still on a campus. And one thing that I found is that when I was working with districts on the weekends and during my spring break and on winter break and all of those things, I felt like I was making a bigger impact than what I could while I was on a campus. But it came down to this, and this is where I created my model. It was because I was able to partner with administrators and truly create a vision that added clarity to the campus. And so the biggest lesson that I took away and I really began to apply is my partnership as a campus coach with an administrator is the most powerful tool that I can have as a coach. Because Mm -hmm. when I have that relationship and I can foster it with administrators, things become more clear. There's not 20 million pieces of feedback coming at people. There's not 20 million different initiatives. It (laughs) is all one initiative. We're all putting our eggs in this basket. We're all moving in the same direction. Um, And so any instructional coach that is listening to this, I urge you to foster that relationship with the administrator. It is the most powerful tool that you can have. Um, And that will definitely reduce teacher overwhelm. Yeah. And I'm thinking everyone listening right now is like clapping their hands and like saying, amen, sister, because (laughs) you're helping streamline and keep things simple when everything is flying at them. This initiative, this curriculum or a new leadership strategy. It's like, I cannot do my job and take all this newness in at once. And so the fact that you're able to bring everybody together, get very clear What is our vision? What are we focused on? How does everything align? It's like a breath of fresh air. So I know everyone's like, yes, you are a saint. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, and even like an example, I was talking to one of my friends the other night who is an academic dean on a campus and they are implementing the fundamental five on their campus. And at the beginning of the school year, they did some training around it. Well, Yesterday, actually, they had a teacher work day and all administrators were required to provide some form of professional learning. And I remember a few weeks back, she was like, oh, my gosh, I got to plan this PD. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I just said, Brooke, fundamental five, that's where you need to focus. Like, don't add anything else. Don't add anything new. Keep it 
aligned to what you're already doing. And I think in that she was just like, oh my gosh, yes, it doesn't have to be new. It is, it's streamlined. It needs to be the same. Don't, don't bring in all these 20 million different initiatives. Stick to one thing. Yeah. What did you say? Fundamental five. I hadn't heard that before. Yes. It's the fundamental five. And honestly, it really is just best practices that we all know. So framing your lesson, which is your learning intentions and success criteria, um, teaching in the power zone, that really is just you're monitoring student learning by walking around and commanding the room, essentially not standing behind your desk. It, it's just strengthening those teaching practices that we know are the most successful. That makes sense. So what were you doing before you're like, hold on, I need to do this on my own. I assume teaching and coaching, just give us that whole trajectory. Yeah. So, well, I started my career as an English teacher and I taught eighth grade English, which I will tell you, man, I, I stink and love my junior high kiddos. Like, <laughs> that's my jam. But uh, in that, I think, you know, it's in any junior high teacher, you learn strong management skills. You learn how to connect with students. And after four years of teaching, our district um, had a program where it was you taught half the day and you were an instructional coach for half That's of the so day. so amazing. Everyone needs to do that. Why don't more schools do that? Well, I will tell you, it, it sounds beautiful in theory, but it can be extremely hard because of you kind of feel like, oh man, I can't be good at both at the same time because yeah. of all the demands of teaching and then all the demands of coaching. So yeah. I do agree in a sense of having living and being in the trenches as at the same time of coaching is a beautiful thing, but also having a full workload. I had two preps plus, you know, 120 students plus, you know, so like all the grading, all of that, all the lessons planning, all the things. And then I also need to be in all the classrooms doing all the coaching cycles, all of that. So it it was a great learning experience, but the model, there were some flaws in it. And then I was, I had the opportunity to become a full-time campus coach, which again has, a, you know, there's, there's all the things. And so I really enjoyed being a full-time campus coach, but like, like you kind of mentioned, it's great to teach and coach at the same time. Sometimes there's that credibility concern. And so to combat that credibility concern, I made sure that I was in classrooms working alongside teachers as much as possible. And again, instructional coaches, if you are not in the classroom, I would say 70% of the day, if you can, you will face a lot of pushback when it comes to that credibility. Now, I know sometimes coaches are used as um, they're on lunch duty and you need to be the sub and you need to do this and this, but strengthening that partnership with the principal will also minimize some of those responsibilities. But I became a, a full-time campus coach to a district coach. And as a district coach, I worked with, I worked with junior high campuses and high school campuses. So sixth through 12th grade. And I absolutely loved it. And it was an opportunity to see instruction 
all across the board, across all different campus types, from the most affluent to low socioeconomic. I've always taught at Title I. And so it was really interesting to get into, I guess, those more affluent communities to see, oh my gosh, they have their own challenges too, that I was not equipped for. And I think just having the opportunity to be a coach afforded me the the it, it afforded me the opportunity to get into many, many different classrooms, see many, many different teaching styles. And you and I discussed this when you were on my show. It, I think it made me a stronger teacher. And that is something that I'm extremely grateful for. And how are you thinking that all of your time with the older students and all of your time working with colleagues has really prepped you to do an even better job as a consultant working with principals and staff? One, I think I have a better, a stronger understanding of personality types for various grade bands. So I've also done a lot of work at the elementary level too, coaching in my new position. And I can tell you elementary teachers, junior high teachers, and high school teachers all three different beasts. Yes. <laughs> and so the one thing that it has helped me do is understand the science of personalities and thinking and motivation and understanding what motivates different adults. And as coaches and administrators, we are in the business of fostering motivation in adult learners, which is a lot harder than motivating students because you are looking at egos. You're looking at people with multiple degrees. You're looking at people who are in the trenches on the daily. And let's face it, being a teacher is not an easy job. So finding those opportunities to really motivate adults through showing them the relevance in what you are teaching them. And then also providing them the tools to demonstrate competency, like they're having those small wins. And I think having that big scope of understanding various personality types and various teaching styles has given me a background to do that. And that is something that, again, I urge all coaches, all administrators, look at those that you have the privilege to lead and learn what motivates them. It's not just food and parties. That's not going to cut the cake. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you make a good point about when you step out of your own four walls, your school, or even your district and maybe working state or virtually now you can really work anywhere. It is so important to understand people. And you were talking about like the personality types Teachers all have kind of the same vibe based on the the level of student they teach, the age and how they relate to each other. And I've never really heard someone say part of your success as a leader is knowing and understanding your audience in, in that way. How mm-hmm. you present an idea to middle school, high school teachers is definitely different than elementary. And the same is true when you're working with a principal, their focus and maybe the way the challenges they face are going to be different. Although there's some similarities in and great leadership, there are different obstacles that they're facing. And I think the best part about being a leader is being able to pivot and know who is it that I'm trying to help and where are they on this journey. And that applies to teachers in the classroom, understanding their students and leaders in the building, understanding 
What grade levels have these teachers taught before? Does that play into their personality or their behavior management system? Or, you know, it really paints the full picture. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Well, and it just, I I see a, a flaw at the beginning of the school year there is so much emphasis on, we got to get the planning done. We got to do these trainings. We got to get this in. We got to get this in. And my plea to all instructional leaders is the very first thing that you need to do is get to know your people. And I'm not talking about just one little icebreaker and we are done. I'm talking about sitting down one-to-one with those that you have the privilege to lead and understand them as a person. Because if we don't understand what motivates them, what are their values, what are their strengths, where are their areas for growth, we're going to set them up for failure or they're going to dismiss us. Our teachers need to feel valued. And that's one of the things when instructional coaches, I'm working alongside them and they're like, oh my gosh, I cannot get through to this teacher. This teacher slams the door in my face or they um, they sit and nod their head. And then when they go back to their classroom, they don't do the uh, implement the feedback that I provided. My immediate question is, do you know what motivates this teacher? And they're like, well, not, you know, not necessarily, (laughs) not really. And I'm like, what are their values? And what is it that really gets them going? And so I I tell them their homework is you're going to have a one-on-one interview with this person. You're going to, let's create 10 questions together and you're going to sit down with them for 10 minutes, 15 if you want because we don't want to take up too much of their time and you're going to get to know them. And I also see value in personality assessments, like just understanding people is what will move the needle faster than throwing a strategy or an initiative at them. Ellie educators, have you heard? My next book is out soon. It's called Always a Lesson, Teacher Essentials for Classroom and Career Success. I share the Teacher Essentials Pathway where you can strengthen and catapult your instructional talents brick by brick. And so we hone in on four elements of powerful instruction. Whether you teach yourself or you lead teachers, this book will help you diagnose potential hiccups, fix them up good as new, and create dynamic habits that will result in academic strides for generations to come. Every educator, no matter their role, needs this book in their hands as they work with staff and students in school buildings around our nation. So pre-order your copy at alwaysalesson.com slash teacher dash essentials. That's teacher dash essentials. Let's transform education together, y'all. Now back to the show. And we talk a lot about, you know, what are some differences among the people we support, but I'm sure you have started to see some commonalities among what makes great teachers great and what makes great leaders great. What would you say those characteristics are? Oh, gosh. You know, one is clarity. Clear is kind, Brene Brown. (laughs) That is, that's forever my thing. And, And so whenever a leader can unify a campus by truly providing clarity around the greatest pain points and facilitating those questions to get everyone problem solving together. 
That's great. Like to me, that is a great leader because they are getting teachers, stakeholders to invest in the direction that they all need to be moving. You know, I also believe there is that personability that a leader should have. That does not mean you have to be everyone's best friend. That does not, you know, I know some people interpret that in different ways, but I believe it it is the quality of listening. And I am here to listen to you. And I can purposefully paraphrase what you say. I can try to implement, or if I can't implement, I can provide you reasons as to why we can't go in that direction. But listening helps people feel valued. So I believe those are two qualities. You can add clarity that gets everyone moving in the same direction and invested in that goal. And you are a purposeful listener, which creates that personability and people want to follow you. Yeah. A lot of intention. That's definitely your strength. Um, If you could go back to your younger self, now that you've had more experiences, (laughs) overcome more challenges, what, what advice would you give yourself for way back then? Oh girl, let me, <laughs> let me tell you, I, I always joke, uh, my first couple of years teaching, you know, I had some out of body experiences where I would just look at myself doing something and be like, Oh no, Alyssa, don't know. <laughs> and so I, I use that often, you know, in my, in my coaching as well. But I think as a, as a teacher, going back to my first five years as a teacher, like my teacher's I definitely would have slowed down. And what I mean by that is slowed down my instruction. I felt I had this idea that I got to get through it all. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. There's all this pressure. But what I found is that when I slowed down, it sped my kids up. Mm. and go slow to go fast, go slow to go fast. And I know that there are pressures to get through curriculum, all of these things, but I also think some of those pressures we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, as a teacher, I would say, go slow to go fast as a, as an instructional coach, the a number one thing that I would say to myself is, Alyssa, you did not foster those relationships in the beginning, and you made some really bad moves because of that. Ouch. And I remember my first year coaching, I, I, you know, I was a nice person. Like I, you know, was like, oh, I'm happy, go lucky. We're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. But I just remember one teacher coming up to me at the end of the year and said, I know you think I'm a bad teacher. And oh my gosh, Gretchen, I, I did not cry in that moment, but when she left, I cried. I never wanted someone to feel that way. And it wasn't because I went in her room and said, you suck, you're horrible. It was just because I, I gave her feedback before I developed a relationship with her. And that is, I will say, one of the downfalls of coaching halftime and teaching halftime, because as a coach, as a teacher, I taught eighth grade. As a coach, I coached sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So the eighth grade teachers were very receptive to my feedback because I had a relationship with them. Mm, But this teacher was a sixth grade teacher, and it was not, that relationship was not there. 
Well, you know, that goes back to what you just said about being a teacher of like trying to rush through and get it all done. You're on a limited schedule. You have to get in and see these teachers. It's like, I don't have time to sit and and get to know you. We got to like hurry up and observe and give feedback so I can understand why you might have gone that route. Mm -hmm. And that is because I did not take the time to foster it. None of my feedback, it fell on deaf ears. Like she did not receive any of that feedback. All she saw was, oh my gosh, I must suck as a teacher. And, and so that is one of the things you need to go slow to eventually go fast. Yeah. I, I have very similar stories and I wish I could go back and do it again, but without some of those missteps, we don't learn and grow from it. So I try not to beat myself up. I'm honest with myself and what I should have done different. And I, I'm conscientious going forward. And so hopefully you're able to forgive yourself and move forward. Absolutely. And that's what I would also say to coaches listening, give yourself grace, definitely give yourself grace. This is not an easy profession and you are having to navigate adults. And that is tricky. It's tricky business, but it's also extremely rewarding when you can see their success and their growth and their excitement. Yeah, absolutely. So you're sounding like an amazing mentor and coach. Is there someone you go to, to guide you on this next chapter in your life? You know, honestly, I, and this is something that I would recommend everyone do, no matter your role in life is have a community of people who lift you up and you continually learn from. So like I can have my husband and my mom lift me up, (laughs) but they're not in the same, uh, I guess, area of, they're not in the same profession as I am. So I do have a group of girlfriends who we are on Marco Polo daily. We are always on Marco Polo and I can, let me tell you, Gretchen, I have never met them in person. I've never met these women in person. We met via social media, but we are on Marco Polo all the time. And we're talking about different ways to market our business and to grow as instructional leaders. We talk about instructional practices and that has been such a life changer for me because I have a community of people that I can grow alongside. And Mm -hmm. I'm also a president elect of an organization called TCTELA. It's the Texas Council of Teachers of English Language Arts. It is the Texas branch of NCTE for anyone who's familiar with NCTE. Uh, And having that community has been a game changer for me as well. I've been an active member for the last six years. I've been on the board for the last five years and um, just growing and meeting people across the state, across the country and having those opportunities to collaborate and grow has just been so beneficial. So just having a community of people to bounce ideas off of and solve the world's problems <laughs> is uh, a great thing to have and it's free. So I would recommend everyone grab your community, find your community. Yes. A hundred percent. Are there books you read or magazines you subscribe to or podcasts you listen to just because I know things in the field of education change all the time and literacy is changing really quickly right now. I know that's a hot topic. So how do you just kind of stay current on what's happening so you can better serve the people you support. 
when it comes to uh, literacy, I am a huge fangirl of anything Cornelius Minor, uh, Kate and Maggie Roberts, Gravity Goldberg, like I am all about them with literacy. Uh, when it comes to instructional coaching, I am, you know, I read everything Jim Knight. I'm listening to his podcast. I'm reading his articles. I am Elena Aguilar. I am always reading, you know, her uh, newsletter. I subscribe there. Those are all huge resources that keep me up to date with practice and always able to go in and experiment with them. Uh, currently, mm -hmm. I am, or actually, I just finished. So I recommend to everyone Goldie Muhammad's book, Unearthing Joy. It is the follow-up to her book, Cultivating Genius. Oh, and I've heard of that. Yeah. Let me tell you, it has shaped my thinking when it comes to best practices for planning instruction. And especially with the way that we are seeing this generation, what they are gravitating towards, what are their interests, how can we, because we're competing for their attention every right. single day. And Goldie Muhammad, Dr. Muhammad, really lays out the importance of relevance and how to bring in relevancy to our learners. And so Cultivating Genius and Unearthing Joy, beautiful books. And I, I'm also going to throw a little bit out here. One thing that I love about this writer is she creates an experience for her readers. So as you're reading, she has a music playlist that you listen to while you read oh, that's and fun. it connects to the reading. So it's, it's really a beautiful experience. So I'm going to recommend her books to everyone. Yeah. I've never heard of, of reading with a playlist. I absolutely think that's amazing. And I'll put all those suggestions in the show notes so folks can grab it. Tell us about your current project that you're working on and its impact for the field and really what you see being next for you. Yeah, so I am working on, well, currently I have a course that is open for instructional coaches. It's called Launch Your Instructional Coaching Journey, and it is for new instructional coaches and veteran instructional coaches. And it takes you through, I have a 3C framework which strengthens a coach's ability to collaborate and create that collaboration partnership, strengthen their communication skills, and strengthen their competency as well as the teacher's competency when it comes to instruction. And so that's like my big project. And currently, I also have a free email sequence that's going out. It's five emails on how to coach teachers with behavior management. That has been one of the biggest cries, outcries yeah. that mm -hmm. I have I have witnessed. Yeah. And even myself as someone who's working alongside teachers and coaches, oh my gosh, there are a lot of new behaviors that we have not encountered. <laughs> and so really stepping up to that and how to support teachers. And so when uh, instructional coaches sign up, they receive one email a day for five days that includes a short video and a downloadable resource that they can use to coach teachers with behavior management. That's amazing. If you'll give me the links to your email list and then that course, I'll put them in the show notes. 100%.
So what is next for you? What are you thinking is going to be your next chapter or what are you really excited to develop next or accomplish? My next chapter is working on a membership. So I want to support instructional coaches and instructional leaders everywhere. And my big emphasis is that partnership with administrators. And so currently what I am trying to put together, which I would really like to launch around December area, December time, is this membership that principals and coaches can go through together. They can gain those resources. They can sit side by side, talk about these resources and how they can best utilize them on their campus, because that is, that's what it's all about. And then another a dear friend of mine, Casey Watts, she and I. Oh, shout are, out to Casey. Go Casey. <laughs> she and I are co-authoring a book um, where we are primarily focusing on collaborative teams and how to strengthen professional learning communities. And again, get them all on the same page, because if we can get everyone moving in the same direction, we can reduce stress and overwhelm. That's so true. Um, I love what you both stand for. And that fact that you're going to collaborate and talk about collaboration (laughs) is going to be amazing. So keep us posted on when that comes out. 100%. I will, girl. (laughs) Well, Alyssa, I want to be respectful of your time. So before I let you go, I just want to ask you one more question. And that is, how do you reignite your passion and your potential as an educator? I take time to create. And I'm going to take it back to Cornelius Minor again, fangirl here. But one of the things he had said at a conference, I um, it was actually a TCTLA conference, and he was speaking, and he talked about our relationship with rest. And, you know, we can rest by binge watching Netflix all day and sleeping all day, which is good. Not, I'm not knocking that. There are times when we need that. But to reignite our spark and to truly take care of ourselves, we need a rest period where we are also problem solving and creating on our terms. And so what I like to do is I go exercise. And while I'm exercising, like I try to create, I go to a quiet space and I will not be on a screen, maybe a pen and paper, and I will draw and write notes. I am someone who is very, I always joke that my brain goes in swirls and twirls. (laughs) So I will doodle out ideas and it really gets me excited and pumped to then go the next day and implement, apply, or share. You know what's interesting about that? I just heard a superintendent after getting off of COVID and being virtual, he became a doodler. And he said, it wasn't that I was bored while on a meeting. It helped me focus. Like there's some connection to the brain there. And you mentioned creativity, that doodling or having the pen to paper really allows things to just connect and for new ideas to come out. So that's fascinating that you also are saying that works for you. Yeah, it does. That's why I never would get on. I know some teachers get on to students for doodling during class. And I'm like, oh, no, doodle away, because it really is helping them absorb the information. It's just fascinating. Well, on behalf of elite educators everywhere, we are so thankful for you coming on and sharing your genius. Can you tell us how to connect with you? I am on LinkedIn and 
uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. All you have to do is look up Crabtree Coaching Collaborative. And on Instagram, it's Crabtree underscore underscore coaching underscore collab. But just type in Crabtree Coaching Collaborative. You'll find me. Yeah. And I'll put that all in the show notes too. So I am so thankful you were able to hop on today. I can't wait to continue cheering you on and collaborating with you and just um, doing this thing together. So I'm thankful we're now friends and we can continue to reach our goals together. Oh, thank you, Gretchen, so much. It has been a privilege to be here. Wahoo! Y'all had an amazing learning experience today with Alyssa Crabtree. She is phenomenal. I want to encourage you to connect with her on social media or send her an email. All her contact details are on the website. Just go to alyssa.com, click on podcast, find this episode, and everything will be there for you. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Alyssa Crabtree. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. (laughs) 